Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. This month to next month, our theme is um, Stand and Connect. And we're going to talk about relationships with God, with one another. And I just want to lay a bit of a foundation today on that. And uh, I was reading through Ephesians while I was on holidays. Ephesians 4 Verse 17, and the, the title at the top of my section of the Bible says, Instructions for Christian Living. So here we go. Listen to the word. Let it wash over you. And what you need to grab, grab it today. Because I just want to share some scriptures out of Ephesians and Colossians about instructions for Christian living. Verse 17, so I tell you this, and insist in it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Well, there's some futile thinking going around, uh, sometimes called wisdom, but often foolishness. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Boy, a lot of us had hard hearts before Jesus came and softened us. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you, were, when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and last week we talked about not just changing your thinking but actually have being changed in the attitude and perspective of your whole mind and how you see yourself God and others and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness therefore whenever you read a therefore you need to say what's it there for therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. That's an interesting verse. That's another whole topic. I was basically raised that when you're angry, you sin. But you can be angry about injustice, about all sorts of things. But when you take it out on people, you end up sinning. And so God's given us emotions and righteous anger is what stirred Wilberforce to, to bring down slavery. So righteous anger is where you're angry against evil or darkness or injustice, but you don't destroy people in the process by your words or emotions. And that's another whole um, subject we'll unpack one day. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, don't let it brood. Deal with it. And do not give the devil a foothold, because if you don't deal with anger, it opens the door for the devil to take a foothold in your attitudes and perspectives and destroys relationships. And God's got better ways. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Hopefully there's not too many people in here stealing. But sometimes we steal other people's reputations. We steal things by our words, out of fear or jealousy. Don't steal. God's got better ways. But must work doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Oh God. If we had the tape player and record everything we said for a week and it got played back to us, some of us would be very, very embarrassed. 
God help us to guard our mouths. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. There are two things about the Holy Spirit. It says don't do. Don't grieve him and don't quench him. We grieve him when we sin or take him for granted and we quench him when fear stops us allowing him to move in our life or through us. Don't grieve him, don't quench him. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. Hopefully we haven't been wrestling with those things this week too much. Along with every form of malice, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now forgiveness is another whole subject to unpack that we need to be reminded of regularly and in a crowd like this there'd be some of us wrestling with unforgiveness or people that haven't forgiven us and it can just be a weight or an offense and you say how can I forgive? Just look at Jesus and say God help me to forgive like you forgave as you hung on the cross father forgive them i had a conversation with someone recently i said well i'll forgive when they come and apologize or they repent i said well that would be awesome but the reality is it mightn't happen so are you going to live in offense and rejection until that happens whereas jesus when he hung on the cross said father forgive them there was no repentance no no uh, apologizing they were cursing him and mocking him and beating him and killing him but he still forgave i said ask jesus to show you how to forgive even if they haven't made any response back because it can be the key that can unlock the brokenness of relationships goes on to chapter 5 verse 1 and when the bible was originally written that we didn't have chapters and verses like we have today so it goes on follow god's example therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god how beautiful is that a fragrance well, some people, you can smell them coming, eh? <laughs> Especially if I've been working out all day in the yard, haven't had a shower for a day or two, you can smell them coming. Do you know, when we walk with the grace of Jesus in our life, people can sometimes smell the aroma of peace and love that you carry. Sometimes even before you say a word, you can shift the atmosphere by your attitude and your grace, your um, smile, the way you treat people, your behavior. There can be strife in a, in a household or room and you walk in intentionally carrying the grace of God and things can shift. Sometimes even before you speak. And God wants to teach us how to live like that. So that our relationships can be as in wholesome and order as possible. So don't be a smelly Christian. <laughs> Let's bring the fragrance of Jesus into our lives. Don't stink. Let's bring the beauty of Christ into your workplace. Some of the stuff happens, life happens. And people can come with stinking attitudes. But hey, let's be carriers that shift the atmosphere. And let's create the atmosphere 
by who we are and what we do. And it goes on then in verse 15 of chapter 5. We'll jump a few verses. This is in the Amplified. Therefore, so that you walk carefully, living life with honour, purpose and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise but as wise, the sensible, intelligent, discerning people. That sounds like the Christians I know. Sensible, intelligent, discerning. Let's, let's that be what marks us. Making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. Wow, if Paul said that back then, what sort of we got now? Evil and darkness and selfishness are ruling in so many places. But we live as ambassadors for Christ. We carry this fragrance, this grace. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption or stupidity, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by Him. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise by singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. I'm glad Paul put that in because some of us aren't good at making melody in our own voices. We were on holidays visiting with some of Mary Lynn's um, nephews and nieces and they got three little kids and they're all learning instruments. So after dinner, we had a barbecue there, they decided to put on a concert for us. And the oldest boy, he can play piano and he's learning well and he played a couple of nice tunes. And the little girl, she's about five, she's learning violin. Yeah, so we had an interesting recital and thankfully it didn't go on any longer than 30 seconds because it certainly wasn't very melodious. But she was trying and her heart was good. She'd only been learning for a few weeks. Although well done for your courage, but it certainly wasn't melodious to our ears. But in another couple of years' time, she'll be probably playing amazingly. And the Bible says, we sing with our hearts and our voices, we play and we make melody to the Lord in our hearts. I think, wow, God, you're so good. And then it goes on. Always giving thanks to God, the Father of all things, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's actually three or four signs that you are filled with the Holy Spirit mentioned here. You sing or worship and speak to one another with psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. That's a sign that you're overflowing with the Spirit. Secondly, it says you're always giving thanks to God. That's another sign that you're overflowing with the Spirit. And it says you are in being subject to one another, submission to one another, out of reverence for Christ. So your relationships, you're not trying to be top dog all the time. Your opinion doesn't have to be the last word in every conversation. You've got love and respect to one another. And so that's a sign that you are living a spirit-filled life. Sometimes when we think of spirit-filled, there's power and authority and breakthrough and anointing. Yes, 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 yes. But it's also the worshipping heart that makes melody to God. It is the always giving thanks to God no matter what's happening and is the way you respect and love one another is a sign that you're living a spirit-filled life. And that's another whole sermon 
to unpack. I'm throwing a lot of seeds out today, just building a foundation. Ephesians 6, we flip to the next page. We won't read this passage, but Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 talks about the spiritual armor. Put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate. Who learnt this off to, to do it? Yeah, I, we, we were trying there to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Take up the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. And so uh, for many years, I used to do that every morning when I'd get up as part of my devotions, just reminding myself, and I still do it from time to time, and physically do that to remind me, hey, we are covered and blessed and powerful in the Lord. And so he's talking about how spiritual authority is and spiritual warfare and how we can be overcomers with grace and authority and power. And God's given us all of those that he wants us to live in the power. And he talks about prayer and all those things that we do and the word of God and and the shield of faith. But you've got to realize that chapter 5 flows into chapter 6 and chapter 4, 5 and 6 of Ephesians are all linked together. And what's chapter 4 about? How to Instructions on Christian Living. Chapter 5 is about how to treat one another out of love and grace. And that's the foundation for your spiritual authority. The enemy tries to steal from us because we have strife in relationships and undealt with things and attitudes. And if we don't live in unity and grace and respect with one another, let me tell you, your authority in the spirit will be compromised in some way. You'll be wasting energy on all of this stuff and not able to focus on this and this stuff effectively. So I've realized that one of the greatest ways to live in authority and spiritual warfare that is victorious is to make sure your family, how you treat your wife, your husband, your kids, your family, your relationships, your work friends, all of those help determine your place of strength and authority and confidence in God. Now, some of you are saying, well, hold on. I've got some unsafe family members that are just very difficult or some people that aren't walking right. Yes, we all have a few of them in our household or our families, but it's how you treat and live in the midst of that will determine whether you're bringing Christ and it's the foundation of peace so that you can then walk in his strength and victory. Colossians 3 is a parallel passage to Ephesians 5. I just want to read these verses and probably next time I preach I'll unpack this more. Colossians 3, it's got the title, Instructions for Christian Households, verses 18 to 24. Wives, submit yourselves to husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not Embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters or bosses. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I'm going to unpack that more and dig down a bit more of how do we love one another? And some, sometimes we read that first verse and women say, oh, this is too tough. 
Submit yourselves to your husbands as a fitting in the Lord. But men, you get hit twice. Verse 9, husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh to them. And then 21, fathers, do not embitter your children. It never tells the women, mums, to love their kids because they do it anyway. Us dads, we've got to be reminded sometimes to do it with wisdom and grace. Not that we don't love them, but we've got to be reminded, don't be hard or harsh or treat uh, children or grandchildren too strongly. Guide them, love them, yes, give them direction. And, and slaves, which is the picture. And Paul never, ever directly contravened slaves, slavery in his time because you've got to remember, they were living in the Roman Empire where slaves was the rule of the day. And if they poked their head up too high, they would have all been wiped out. But he taught them the heart attitude of like we have with an employee to an employer. And so you think, some people say, well, why didn't Paul just stand up against slavery? In that culture, that was just an impossible situation to deal with. Later on, Wilberforce was able to do it as a Christian. There are times you've got to pick your battles and know what you can and can't win and influence culture by who you are. And that's discernment and wisdom and knowing the times and seasons like the sons of Issachar who knew the seasons and times. And so we see that there's some amazing teaching on there on how we treat one another, how husbands and wives treat one another. And uh, we can be all very spiritual on Sunday. What about on Monday night after a tough day at work and you're all tired and the we're human, God knows that. But he says, hey, come on, let's keep growing and learn to live this out. Because if you want to have Ephesians 6 authority in, in spiritual warfare, you need to have good relationships and work on it and keep growing in it. And let the grace of God be manifest in our hearts and in our lives. Romans 16.20 is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible. And I've preached on this before. It says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I love that. The God of peace, the nice, loving, peaceful God will soon crush Satan. Only in the kingdom of God is peace a weapon. Because when you're at peace with God and you're at peace with your family and your friends and your workmates and your colleagues in church, guess what? You are destroying the works of the evil one. It's an upside down kingdom we live in. Peace is a powerful spiritual weapon. When you carry peace, it destroys strife and unforgiveness and darkness and everything else. People can react to arguments and theology. Boy, it's really hard to fight with someone who's just at peace with God and themselves and at peace with everyone else. What do you target? It's just, it unravels people's souls. And I believe if we walk with peace in the midst of all the aftermath of COVID and the, still the fear and anxiety that still rules so many hearts, and we need to be carriers of peace. Jesus said, I am the Prince of Peace. My peace I give you. It's a beautiful gift. And I believe that as we walk with that gift of peace, we have greater authority to transform people's lives and the, pe and the atmosphere around us. So it says, the God 
of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So peace in your family relations is a powerful defensive weapon. That's why the enemy tries to stir up strife. Listen to this verse, James 3.17. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Wow. Wow. Where there's envy and strife, it opens the door for every other type of evil work. This is what I'm talking about. Peace is a powerful weapon. And the enemy will try and stir up strife. He'll try and get us jealous or envious of what someone else has. He'll try and stir up selfish ambitions and saying, well, it's my right and it's, it's, it's my place. But it says where there's strife, every other evil work can start to break loose. That's why the enemy tries to stir up strife. I know when we were younger pastors and heading to church and had three little beautiful kids, we had to be really on guard on Sunday mornings. Really on guard Sunday mornings because the enemy would just try and stir up strife. So we would lose our peace and couldn't preach the word with confidence and boldness and authority because we're thinking about, oh, I've got to repair that and I've got to, oh, why on earth did I say that? And we had to really, really be diligent to make sure Sunday mornings we didn't let the enemy niggle us with strife. And did crazy things happen? Yes, they did. <laughs> I remember, we'll tell one story because we're, yeah. Rachel was only small. Was it Rachel with the fish tank? Yep, okay. We had this lovely fish tank. Other pets were a bit risky with our boys because they were full on. But we had a fish tank. And so we get all the kids ready and I headed off um, to get ready because we didn't have an assistant pastor. So I had to be there early and make sure everything was ready and to preach. And uh, Stephen, our oldest, was holding Rachel and got too close to the fish tank. She grabbed it and pulled it over. Tim was, Tim was trying to pull them back. So all three of them, the fish tank tipped over. There's live fish swimming around the carpet. There's water over all of them. Broken stuff everywhere. Thankfully, no one got injured, but Marilyn had to redress them all. Shows up at church a few minutes late with grace and peace. <laughs> I thought, you rotten devil. That was more, one of the more humorous ones. There's plenty of others that we, we probably won't share. But hey, the enemy tries to stir up strife to steal your peace so that you don't live in a place of victory. And we then have to waste all this emotional energy and thinking and trying to restore and sort out. If it happens, deal with it. Say, God, help me to live in your grace and peace and wisdom. Do crazy things happen? Yes, they do. Do we sometimes lose it? Yes, we do. But God, help us to live as you called us because we don't want to make any more room for strife than what goes on. Gifts and skills can open doors to leadership and ministry, but character and good relationships is what will sustain it. Now, that's a basic truth, but... We sometimes need to be reminded it's how we do life. And I want to share one story today and we'll finish up on time today. How's that? 
I thank you for your prayers. I'm still battling through with kidney stones. They've diagnosed on Tuesday, I've got a 10.3 millimeter kidney stone in this kidney, which I'm believing God to shatter it or get some laser to shatter it. So just keep praying. 90% of the time I'm okay. Every now and then it decides to stir up and life becomes a bit crazy. But I'm living life as normal as I can until this gets sorted. And then there's another little one over this side. I don't know where on earth they came from. I didn't ask for kidney stones. Sometimes, sometimes we get hit from left field. But hey, it's your attitude and choice of faith. We walk by faith, not just by circumstances. And I'm no superhuman. I don't like pain. Like No one likes pain. But I've learned to keep trust in God and keep believing he will take us through. Whether that's medical intervention, supernatural breakthrough, whatever. And thank you for all your nice remedies everyone's given me on how to sort out kidney stones. I've tried a couple of them. I think the remedy is worse than the condition. <laughs> but thanks for loving me and being helpful. Probably worked for you, but I'm not sure whether some of them will work for me. <laughs> but I know prayer works, and I know love works, and I know peace works in our relationships. I want to share an amazing story as the worship team comes up. The eternal impact of a life well lived in relationship with God and in good relationship with his family and community. While I was in Holos, I read this story about Billy Graham. All of us know who Billy Graham was, the amazing, integrous man of God, lived into his 90s. This is a true story as told by Robert Henry Coate. When Billy Graham was 92 years old, he was struggling with Parkinson's disease. In January, a month before his 93rd birthday, leaders in Charlotte, North Carolina, invited her, their favourite son, Billy Graham, to a luncheon in his honour. Billy initially hesitated to accept the invitation because of his struggles with Parkinson's disease. But the Charlotte leaders said, we don't expect a major address, just come and let us honour you. So he agreed. After wonderful things were said about him, Dr. Graham stepped up to the podium, looked at the crowd and said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist who that month had been honoured by Time magazine as the man of the century. Einstein was once travelling on a train. When the conductor came down the aisle, punching tickets of every passenger... When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his vest pocket, couldn't find his ticket, reached into his trousers, couldn't find his ticket. It wasn't there. He looked in the briefcase, couldn't find it. Then he looked in the seat beside him. He still couldn't find it. The conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded appreciatively. The conductor continued down the aisle punching tickets. As he was ready to move to the next carriage, he turned around and saw the great physicist down on his hands and knees looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed back and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know you are. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. Einstein looked at him and said, Young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> you're 92 that might happen sometimes eh? Billy Graham having said that Billy Graham continues see see the suit I'm wearing it's a brand new suit my children my grandchildren are telling me I've got a little slovenly in my old age 
I needed to be a bit more fastidious. So I went and bought a new suit for this luncheon and one more occasion. You know what that occasion is? This is a suit in which I'll be buried. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I also know where I'm going. (laughs) Then he said, may your troubles be less, your blessings more, and may nothing but happiness come through your door. Life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. I thought, what words of wisdom from an amazing man of God? May each of us have lived our lives that when our ticket is punched, we don't have to worry about where we are going. Let's stand in His presence. Oh Lord, you're so precious. I just feel His love here today. Just touching and drawing our hearts. Just close your eyes for a moment. Let the love of God just pour out right now. I just feel the Spirit of God's here to meet with people today, right now. For some of us, you've been serving God for many years. He wants to let you know your life is sharpened. And you know what you're doing and where you're going. Maybe strife and difficulties come and your peace has been stolen, but today you say, Lord, I just thank you for your peace filling my heart. I just thank you for your love. I thank you for the example of Billy Graham just reminding us, hey, how to live a life well lived and how to live with right relationships and integrity. And that gave him great spiritual authority to see millions of people come to Christ. Lord, I thank you for your presence right now just touching our hearts. I just feel His love just pouring into hearts right now. For some of us, we feel like, hey, we've blown it, we've missed it. Somewhere on the line, pain or strife has stolen from us. Unforgiveness has ripped us off. But today, we're saying, Jesus, I just draw close to you. I'm not going to let grief and loss and other people's opinions and strife steal my peace and my destiny and my purpose in God. Thank you right now, just touching every heart. Let your love, let your love just pour in. Let your love just pour in right now. Oh God, oh God. If there's anything just in this simple message today that's touched your heart, why don't you just take a moment to deal with it with God right now. Say, Lord, forgive me. I release my heart. Lord, fill me with your hope. Restore my soul. Lord, sharpen my life. God, help me to make sure my relationships are in a healthy order. I lay down my own desires to love and honour and serve others. Let that be in a beautiful way. Lord, the things that have tried to steal my peace this week, Lord, I just surrender them to you because you are the miracle-working God. There's a house of miracles. And right now there's some miracles happening as God is washing and releasing some people's overwhelmed souls for stuff that's tried to steal your destiny, steal your hope. Oh, I just feel his love just pouring. Thank you for joining us. 
The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.